You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. We are here live in, not Denver, at Keystone Resort. I'm Kathy Fetke. Welcome to The Real Wealth Show. And uh, what a great place for a conference. I've got Rich here with me. Your birthday's in two days and we get to ski on it. Yeah, good to be here. I'm super stoked. Yeah, this is a conference we do every year. It's very in my opinion, high level. I get nervous whenever I get on stage here because it's like, oh man, these are like, this is legit. Some real ballers, I guess you could say, out <laughs> in the audience. And we've got one of them here with us right now who's also somewhat instrumental in putting this event on. So Scott Lewis, welcome. Thank you, Fatkeys. I very much appreciate being on. <laughs> it's great to have you here. So we met you probably four years ago at this conference when it was in Denver, kind of loving that it is now at a resort, at a ski resort. Um, and we got to ski together. You've got a really interesting background starting in the military. So how did you end up in real estate? Yeah, so I came out of college and I worked for a biotech company. And I'm a big integrity guy and some bad stuff kind of went down at the top of that company. So I kind of decided like, hey, what's the next step for me? And it was between an MBA or or going into the army. It was something always I'd wanted to do to get that that true leadership experience. So I did that. I did that for four years and then I came out and really what prompted me into real estate was my wife and I bought a house in DC. We went up a third level, we renovated the whole house. And then the house next to us was really a, just a, not a good house. It was garbage. And I came home one day and she's like, Hey, you need to do something about that. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to do with it? She's like, I don't know. Just fix it. Okay. So we embarked on a direct mail campaign. I didn't know that's what I was doing it at the time. Got the property, um, negotiated it, got it under contract. We rehabbed it. We made a bunch of money. Um, our investors earned triple-digit returns. Nice. And uh, our investors, my father-in-law and my best friend. I, I was just going to say, wait, 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 wait. Your first deal, you had investors. Okay, it was dad. <laughs> it, it was dad. It was, hey, Steve, I need 50 grand at a dinner. And he's like, for what? And then it went from there. But that's what really kind of prompted us. I'm like, oh, well, we like this and just kind of kept doing it. And then it's grown from there. Well, that could have gone very badly, right? Your first deal, dad's money. Would he have forgiven you if you lost his money? I think so, because uh, <laughs> he's given us a lot more of it for a lot more complicated things afterwards. And mm. one of the things we've always believed in is you, you hear a lot of folks and, and, and they're getting their starts here and there and they're doing some flips and their, their, their budgets are pretty thin. For that, it was our first deal. We'd never done anything like that before. I did some building in high school, but nothing like that. And we took it down to the studs. And I think that's really how we mitigated our risk is when you go into a single family flip and you're going to do cabinets and carpet and your construction budget is $20,000 and all of a sudden like the water heater goes, you got big problems. For us, we went in with a $175,000 budget. Everything was coming out all the way down to the studs. We were not going to get surprised by anything because we, we managed the foundation risk and it was just a much safer deal to go all the way down to the studs because there's no surprises. That's a really good point. Did you have a contractor or did you do the work? Oh, we, we had a contractor. Okay. But you got a, a bid and, and you knew what you were in for and you raised enough money and maybe some extra for surprises? We, we did. Okay. So we got three bids. We raised a 10% contingency there. We had some cash reserves personally on it went, you know, we finished on time. Uh, we were about maybe not quite on time, maybe about a month late. We finished on budget, um, and then it went on the market, and it sold pretty quick. Well, it's interesting because so you know I've met so many people at these conferences, and it's like I would say probably probably seventy five to eighty percent do start with family money. Yeah, you know, getting just getting started, getting the ball rolling. Yeah, so. But it's 
a good idea to you know have help or like someone who's done it before before for sure putting family at risk like that but i my guess is you probably did more due diligence than you realize you know for for a first timer scott is a due diligence guy yeah so i think that's really kind of you know one of the things that even though we didn't necessarily have a ton of real estate experience me as a as an army guy you know i had, by that time i had planned hundreds of combat patrols where if you don't plan well and you don't have contingencies upon contingencies, well, well, bad stuff happens. So I think even though that I didn't have the real estate experience, I had put enough contingencies in place and had realized that I didn't know what I didn't know. So we had gotten some some good guidance. We got a good contractor. Uh, we got multiple bids to understand really what the job was going to take before we got started. Well, contractors can be can be unruly and mm-hmm. difficult. You might have been scary, maybe your military background, that no one was going to mess with you. <laughs> so the listeners can't see, but I truly do have a face for radio. And and I, I think it is my, my demeanor is not soft. I'll say it's, it's not a soft demeanor. Uh, I'm bald. Uh, so I think it's one of those that I, my, my personality is more aggressive. So it, it, it doesn't say come and take advantage of me. So, Rich, you got to hear Scott give a keynote, I think, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and maybe last year, too. Are you doing it this year? So, I am giving a talk this year on performing due diligence on a sponsor. Ooh, okay, we'll talk about that for sure. But, Rich, when you saw him on stage, you were really impressed. I fell in love. Yeah. yeah. And you guys ended up having a few dates. No, There's, there's been, a bromance. <laughs> you guys have, have done some rad skiing. And yeah. mountain biking. And mountain, oh, yeah. oh, wait. My elbow the guy looks like him. this because of him. I'm the guy that broke him. Right? <laughs> it's all your fault. Well, you know, maybe taking a new mountain biker to, where'd you go, Whistler? Whistler, yeah. yeah. That was great. Um, maybe, no regrets. Maybe warm him up next time? Well, it was the second day. <laughs> Anyway, um, but I just remember, you know, we meet a lot of people. We do a lot of conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, but he stood out to you, and I don't know if you remember why, but you really liked his presentation. Yeah, there was something about, I mean, there was an authenticity to it, which I love. You know, it's just all you. But it's it was about that, basically, no bullshit. <laughs> it was just like, this is the way it is. Do it. Step up. You know, it's it very military-based t- type of thinking, but strategic thinking. So, and I've seen that. I've seen your due diligence process. You've sent it to me, and it's like you really think things through, and you look at all the possibilities of what can go right, but also what can go wrong. And over time, you've really put together a system. I mean, speak to that. So I think, um, and I, I got to send you guys the new one because we're now at six seventy-five, and we've got an AAR coming up that'll probably push it to like seven fifty as we're learning and growing. And really just understanding what it takes. And I think that was one of those things that, you know, my, my business partner is a pilot. I'm an army guy and we do a lot of pre-planning before the mission starts or the flight takes off. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to, you know, if you have Google, uh, you don't have to have a ton of experience to go out and build that list. We're not doing anything proprietary. It's just we went out and we, we researched due diligence for a long time and we took every list we could find combined them all together and then segmented them as it made sense. And we use a system called Smartsheet for the time being. So it's collaborative. And we just follow that process. We say we don't get creative. We use that process and we go through step by step. And it's and I think it's really protected us. Yeah. When things don't don't work out too, you're like, okay, what happened? What yep. could have we done differently? And then you weave that into the new. Yeah. I can't wait to see the new Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Awesome. So you're speaking later on what to look for and how to vet a sponsor. So what are the top three things people should know about that? So I call it the trifecta and it's the team, 
it's the culture and it's the answers. Uh, the team is, you know, what what's their experience, what resources they bring to the flight and get a measure of their true character. Uh, the culture, like really understand their mission, vision, and values. And, and if they don't have it clearly articulated and they don't know what drives them and what the future looks like and, and really what they value, how are you ever supposed to know as a sponsor? And then finally, the answers. And I, and I say that instead of the questions, because I think you can find out more about a sponsor on how they answer a question than even what the answer to that question is or even what the actual question is. So let's just step back a bit uh, for our newer listeners, people who are new to real estate. What, what's a sponsor? So a sponsor is someone that is that is putting on the deal. They are the ones that have gone out and they've they've found the deal and they're raising equity and debt to to go out and do that deal. But they're the ones that you are they're the jockey that you're betting on to win that race when they go out and they find that deal. So you were the sponsor on that first deal and your your dad was the investor. I was. <laughs> and he made a good bet. Awesome. Yeah, okay. what, what, speak to what you're currently focused on as a sponsor. Yeah, so right now we're kind of alternative guys. Uh, we we have three evaluation criteria. It has to be easy to operate, easy to maintain, and quick to evict. And when we looked at all the different asset classes out there, self-storage kind of really like came to the top as well as RV parks. And we're actually like one of the like only people in the country right now that's building a mobile home park. We're doing that in partnership and we're not going to run it, but we're going to help build it, lease it up, and then sell it off. Wow. Awesome. Very exciting. It's, yeah, it'd be interesting to go back in time and meet meet the, the former Scott Lewis and just say, hey, someday you're going to be doing this. What would have he said back then? He would have thought you were crazy. It was. Uh, it's a funny syndication story. So, you know, when you're putting this capital together, it's called syndication. And my partner, when we were raising our second deal, not the family deal, we had some friends in our second deal and it was a small raise. It was only 450000 bucks. So it's pretty small. And he's doing some research on bigger pockets. And he's like, hey, man, I think we're doing this thing called a syndication. And I'm like, what? That's like the mob. We're not doing that. And he's like, well, I don't, I'm reading something about this PPM, this private placement memorandum. And <laughs> what is that? We, like, are we doing this? I'm like, nah, man, we're not. So luckily we, there's a, there's a little section of the code that we did legally do this raise, but it was one of those things that like, I didn't think we were going to be moving into this, this world that we operate in now. And we very much were. And, and, by luck, we did it correct, not because we knew what we were doing. But so I, you know, any of the listeners here that are getting into it, I highly recommend learn a little bit more than I did before you take somebody's money. Yeah, there's so many courses right now and mm-hmm. events on teaching people how to syndicate. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said they're syndicators. And mm-hmm. Michael, what what's your experience? What what have you done? Oh, oh, I haven't done a deal yet. That's concerning. Unless they have a partner who has, sure. then it then it'll be okay. So. Make sure who's ever in charge of whatever you're investing in has done what they're, you know, has done what they're doing before and they've done it successfully. Mm-hmm. And I would ask the key questions as to how are they connected to the sponsor? There's, there's a, a phenomenon going out there that, that's, that somebody might raise a very small amount in relation to the total deal, but yet claim that they're doing the deal when there are two or three degrees removed from that sponsor. I, I personally don't agree with that. I think it's really important for people that are that are doing the deal to understand how the person who they're giving their money to is actually connected to the deal. It may be perfectly okay, but you just got to make sure you really understand that connection. 
Great. And even beyond that, even more importantly, because that's that's so true, is that you you can't raise money for someone else's right. deal unless you're a licensed broker dealer. And people are doing it all over the place, not even knowing that it's illegal and they could go to jail for that. It's crazy. It's it's happening all over the place. And they're like, oh well, you know, I'm a I'm a part of the GP or or this and that. And it's just like, no, no, that's not the right answer. That's not the spirit or the intent of the SEC law that governs this. So. Unless you really are, you know, yeah, right. really part of the GP. And again, what's that? I'm just breaking yep. it down for our, what's a GP? Ah, so the, the general partnership, if you are a part of the general partnership and you are doing something in the deal, you're doing the due diligence, you're managing the project, you're selecting the doors, you're choosing paint colors, and you are an active member of that team, then absolutely, you're a part of the, the, the team. But if your job is solely to raise money, then you may have a difficult argument that, that says that you're truly a member of that, that operating team that's out there doing the deal. And you need to be licensed for that. Yes, you do. I, I think it's a FINRA license, if, I'm, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I'm curious about your why, like why you do what you do. So it's, it's, it's funny. It has nothing to do with real estate. It has everything to do with providing an environment for my team that they can grow personally and professionally. So I wanted to build a company in which I would want to be a part of. And real estate's a passion, so that's, that's why it went that way. But really, my focus as the CEO is really about building our culture. It's about establishing that environment where people can come to work every day and they can achieve their professional goals, but they can also grow personally within our company and then also within with outside of the company as well. Yeah, you do some real cool stuff for your benefits. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think we, um, I mean, we're, we're headquartered here in Golden, Colorado. Um, so everybody gets a ski pass. So on Sunday through Tuesday, following the conference, the entire team is staying up here and, you know, we're skiing on the mountain together and some some there's one one or two people that don't ski so they're going to the spa and it's just really kind of a very collective culture but that ski pass you know it's not a huge lift as far as the cost go but it's kind of a unique thing that if we bring we're bringing team to the to colorado have a ski pass and go out and enjoy the colorado lifestyle yeah there's something very bonding about doing something physical like that together and pushing your limits we offer some wellness we actually we we have a full benefits package but in addition to your standard medical, dental, and vision, we also have uh, fitness coaching and uh, just reimbursement for a gym membership because we want our folks to be healthy. And organizations know that if you have healthy folks, they don't call it as sick as much. They can work more and they, they're, they're happier in their lives. They just feel better. And that's really what we're about. That's awesome. Yeah, I just wanted you to share there because I know like, a lot of Kathy's listeners are, you know, they own their own businesses mm-hmm. and that's inspiring. Yeah. So one of, uh, Rich has a friend, Ron, uh, and, and Ron's been instrumental in kind of coming up with some really kind of creative, low cost, high impact benefits to offer the team when we were, when we were really, really small and we couldn't necessarily afford all of the good benefits. He was really instrumental in that. So yeah, he's a smart dude. Yeah. I really, I really appreciate, uh, that introduction on that ski trip. Of course. So, Scott, did you grow up with investors around you or with any kind of wealth consciousness, or is that something you had to develop? 100% develop. My my family is from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> uh, that I, explains it. Yeah. <laughs> So I, there was there was no talk about that. My my family doesn't have any wealth. They don't know anything about money. Um, so I, that was one of those things that it was really my first boss out of uh, college that was really instrumental in that. And he was very in tune with wealth and everything. And 
I think it's one of those things if you're if you're a young guy and you have kind of a drive and initiative to learn, you can find somebody that can help mentor you pretty pretty easily. And that's what he did. And that really is what kind of took me to the next level that opened up a whole world to me. Yeah. Without that uh, wealth consciousness, you can opportunities can be sitting right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You just can't see it. Yeah. yeah. So, Rich, what, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be interviewing you, but what are some ways that people can open up that part of their self? Wealth consciousness? Wealth consciousness, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my favorite is future self. <laughs> and my, is, yeah. Absolutely. It's just like taking that little mental journey, as we've talked about before on the show, yeah. going into the future 10, 20 years, and just imagine meeting your future self and seeing yeah. it, them in their best light, you know, who they've become as a person, what they've created uh, financially and wealth-wise, but also family-wise, relationship-wise. So I think all that opens up. It just opens up your eyes to, to bigger wealth consciousness. Yeah. I think one of the things also, you know, in addition to that, a lot of folks, you know, if you don't have much, it doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't start somewhere, uh, you know, especially with the education piece. They say if you have one hour to chop down a tree, you should spend five hours sharpening your axe. And, you know, as you maybe, maybe you don't have wealth now or maybe you're a young person that's just getting out of college and you really don't have anything to invest. Well, that's fine. So spend the next five years sharpening your axe so that when you when you start making more money or when you clear out some debt or or when something positive happens, you're in a position mentally to be able to capture that. And that's that's you know basically planning for that future self by yeah. getting the education that you need before you actually need it. Yeah, and there's so much education out there. You can read, you can learn, you can listen, listen in just like this podcast. You know, Absolutely. And I'd also add on to that, surrounding yourself with, with people with wealth consciousness. So coming to conferences like this, meeting people like you, meeting some of these people that we're here with, I think that's a huge thing for expanding your brain. Yeah, it's so amazing. We're sitting here um, just after, after Joe Fairless gave his keynote and um, he came to me when he was just starting. He had just left as a marketing, advertising guy in New York mm-hmm. City and wanted to know how to do podcasts. Well, I mean, look at him now. He has, what, almost a billion under a- assets under management yeah. and, and, and doubled assets under management in the last year. <laughs> it's incredible. So truly, it, and, and he did it through his podcast by interviewing. Yep. He raised his wealth consciousness just through his podcast yep. by interviewing so many experts, right? And I think that's how you, that that's what I believe in like 08, 09, you were one of the trailblazers for the podcast, and I believe your why was very similar. You wanted to learn more, and I, I know Rich had the health scare that really kind of set some things in motion for you, and that's really kind of like the, the same thing as you went out there and you and you started interviewing these people, and you were open-minded about that. And you know, I, for the listeners here, if you go back and listen to every single podcast from the Willwell Soul, and that's all you do, that will put the foundation that you need to be very successful at building wealth that's rich and kathy's whole thing is the real wealth network and that's what they do they educate people so you know the listeners if they go back and listen to just this show you will set the foundation that you need thank you so much all right well i guess the next session is starting so we better get to it yeah yeah. and scott thank you so much for uh letting us just grab you at the last minute and, and bring you on this podcast Rich and Kathy, as always, and Rich, looking forward to doing some more mountain biking this summer. Awesome. And and shredding together on Sunday, Monday. And absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. We will see you on the slopes. All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And thank you so much for joining us here on The Real Well Show. You can go to realwellshow.com to listen to this and any past episodes and also to find out about the other education that we provide there at realwealthnetwork.com. 